Kira, I'm Jin. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Welcome to the recording studio that is my house, Sophie. Again, what a time. Yeah. Hi, hi. Happy to be here. Ah. What's been happening for you this week or the last two weeks? Plodding along, I feel. Unlike the last time we recorded, which was unusually a Monday, mm. Thursday is definitely a lower energy time of the week. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, my sleep's not been like fantastic either. So I realise, like, for me, how much sleep changes my existence basically right you know like some people seem to be like you know i can run on the smell of an oily rag i hate that phrase but like for me like it really like i cease to fucking operate like you need your eight hours seven hours how much or i mean ideally eight but Mm. but just like solid yeah i've just been waking up i don't know what's going on i don't know what's going on so so yeah so yeah feeling a bit meh also just mental health um but yeah no good good um it's cooling down a little bit. You're going to hate me for saying this, but mm. I fucking love autumn. It's fantastic because it's nice and sunny, especially in Wellington where we are. It's nice and sunny, but it's that bit cooler. So I don't feel like my internal organs are cooking <laughs> and I'm not constantly like a sheen of sweat. Not hot enough for your internal <laughs> organs to be feeling like that. I object. I'm very Northern European constitutionally, mm. um, but spiritually, but yeah. emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, yeah, um, happy that tomorrow is Friday, mm. happy to be doing this pop with you, it's a nice little, nice little wrapping up end of the week, we've also got some, got some shenanigans at work tomorrow to look forward to that's not work, you know, not actual work, like, you know, we've got the drinks thing, yeah. so it's a nice, it's gonna be a nice end of week, um, and, um, I'm gonna ignore the mean things that my brain says to me because they're not true. Correct, good yeah. job. Uh, how has well you've been <laughs> you've been jet setting? I've had a busy two weeks. Good lord, I'm quite tired. My feet are very sore. I've mm. got like a permanent blister on my pinky toe because oh. I've been to four gigs in the last two weeks. Um, I've been just got back from Australia yesterday because mm-hmm. I went over there to see my Chemical Romance twice with my friend. And to catch up with all my friends in Sydney. So it was lovely. It was 39 there on Sunday, speaking of cooking the insides. And I no. thought that was delightful. <laughs> oh my God, no. Insanity. So yeah, no, I'm pretty happy. I'm not going to lie. Like the post gig come down is very hard, especially coming to our new office space, which, you know, great. No more annoying miscellaneous office men other than the ones in our direct team. <laughs> <laughs> but also the vibes are off. As chief yeah. vibe checks officer, I'm saying it's not checking out. I know, I know, and yeah, it's not checking out. It's we need to do something about it, and I think we just need to be more chaotic. I know, <laughs> but yeah. it's kind of hard. The space doesn't lend itself to being chaotic, <sighs> and I feel like I'm I'm feeling when I'm like you know you come over to my desk like when we chat like I'm not it doesn't feel safe yeah. to like have that kind of exuberant interaction we would normally yeah and then I'm like second guessing things like the person who sits slightly behind me like is she clearing her throat excessively because that's what she does or is that a passive aggressive you're talking too much yeah i agree it's weird Um, we don't know where the line is we don't know how other people like what kind of environment do they want but it's also terrible because we know what kind of environment we want and this space is not conducive to it 
Which we kind of knew was going to happen, so... So it's weird. And hopefully it gets less weird because it's kind of been yuck. And I had the first three days of the week without you there. Yeah. Which... Was it better with me today? Yes, it was better with you today. Yeah, It was definitely it's better me. with you today. Cheese yeah. vibe check officer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, you know, what was that? You've been in 20 minutes and you were like, why is it so quiet? It's like a fucking, like, yeah. library. And it's like, literally that? Like, I don't want to hear breathing. <laughs> it's too, and it's, it's the point where you feel like you can't eat at your desk because everyone can hear you crunch. Dude, I, I exclusively eat apples and capsicum. It's so crunchy. <laughs> I'm like, can they, can they, don't perceive me eating this? The weird thing is I can't hear you. Like, when you're chatting with your desk buddy, I can't hear you at all. So, somehow this... facing away, maybe. Yeah, and the sound's being absorbed by those boards that they've put up, which also yeah. is annoying because it means I can't see... Anyone. Yeah, you have to literally stand up. Yeah. No, I don't like it. They're willing to apparently die on the hill of you can only work from home one day a week. And like, and then if, if you, you want to change your day, you have to do it, give it advance notice. You can't like decide on the day. Like, and it's just like, no. What like, if I'm why? feeling sick that day yeah, or the vibes or like, are off? You're just having a bit of a sad day and you can work, but you just need some quiet time. Like you don't need to like, it just feels like we're regressing. We haven't learned from like the hybrid work options and I want to fucking flip desk. <laughs> It does feel regressive. I am actually going to give them that feedback and be like, look, it's, the vibes are off. I've literally been here one day and I walked in and I went, oh, this is not good. Like, mm. it feels bad. Anyway, it's okay. It's first week. We're going to figure yeah, it out. Exactly, well, exactly. It's just teething problems, right? We're exactly. going to get there. Yeah. Right. So on that topic, do you want to give us a... I do. Oh, on that note, rather, do you want to <laughs> give us an episode summary? So we watched uh, episode one of season three, Smith and Jones. When the hospital she works at is transported to the moon, medical student Martha Jones joins forces with the doctor to hunt down an alien fugitive before the oxygen runs out. Mm, so, big deal. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. the main villain is female presenting. Yeah, she is. Um, and I think Martha talks to her med student. She does, yeah. Friend? Yeah. So I and her sister. Oh, she does. And her sister. And Ooh, her mum. Who her sister, I think, has been in a heap of drama stuff, like mm. serious drama stuff recently. She seems really familiar to me. Mm. I meant to Google that shit. Yeah, and her mum, who I'm pretty sure was inside one of those cat nurse costumes. Oh. In season two, episode one. It's okay. the actor, actor that plays Lady Danbury in right. Bridgerton. yeah. And I'm like 99% sure. Because again, there's 10 British actors that are decent. As so they're know. just like, no one saw her face when she was in the cat suit. Doesn't matter. Or actually, even in this case, Martha's cousin... <laughs> I knew you'd love that. I told you they retconned it. Like, oh, my cousin, Adiola, was in the... And, like, you could have just said identical twin. Like, <laughs> why? Because cousin was like... Because I think the trauma would be bigger if it was an identical yeah, twin. Yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah, lol. <laughs> so, yeah, I did remember... I remember this episode because I remembered that it was the first Martha one and I remembered that there was something to do with a hospital and at one point the doctor and Martha are on the balcony of a hospital. Mm. But I forgot all about... The hospital was on the moon. Like, the intensely rhino-headed... Space rhinos. Look like they are, like, super metal mercenaries. Who I watched this with my partner. And who has been the one who's been watching the other apps with me. And he was like, oh, what? those boots are, like, seriously, like, Hot Topic vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, they are. They've Hot Topic booted all the rhino-headed mercenaries. So, yeah, it's, it is your topic week. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, take it away. 
so the topic discussion question that came to my mind was competence because I thought that was quite a telling theme in the episode in the sense that you had the specialist taking around the med students and they had to show that they were competent in their diagnosis you have Martha being very competent in like a crisis where some of the other doctors perhaps or students rather yeah. were not so great yes. at that the doctor himself is obviously always very competent but he behaves sometimes like he's incompetent, which is a whole thing, which made me think about weaponized incompetence mm. and the way that people will pretend not to be good with things, you know, or strategic incompetence as it's sometimes called. But yeah, the fact that you can feign incompetence um, to get out of doing it. Yeah. But the doctor sometimes does that. He feigns incompetence in order to put people on the back foot, right? Which is kind of that thing you see often in detective mm-hmm. shows as well. Like, I'm thinking of ye olde Columbo, who would always pretend like he was a bit dithering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then people are on the back foot and then yeah. comes in with the... I mean, so many. Typically, it's interesting because it's typically older. Like, yeah. Miss Marple, Agnes Christie used to get Miss Marple doing it all the time, just being like, oh, little old lady, just asking questions. And then yeah. they're like, you're a murderer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like a cloaking device, right? Yeah. This idea that you can hide behind incompetence and then someone else will just not take you seriously. The threat, or with weaponized incompetence, will look at you and just go, fine, it's easier for me to do it anyway. And maybe this is a topic that is <laughs> front of mind with, for me, because I realized today that perhaps this is an issue that I am facing in the workplace and that I am being confronted with some weaponized incompetence. Interestingly enough, though, from a female colleague and not a male colleague. Because yeah. usually weaponized incompetence, you hear it in terms of domestic labor more than yep. anything. It'll be dads being like, oh, I couldn't possibly change the kid's nappy. I don't know how to do it. Or like, yeah. you're so much better doing the laundry as if women are innately born with the skills to yeah, yeah. domesticate. Like, yes, I was born knowing how to iron a shirt, you know, like yeah. things like that. And I um, was researching this a little bit, just read a HuffPost article and some blog posts and stuff about like feminism and weaponized incompetence, which has become much more prevalent. Like, I think people have been talking about it for a while, but certainly since the pandemic, it's definitely been raised a lot more because women have disproportionately seen themselves responsible for home tasks yet again. Like everyone's working yep. from home, but yet it's still up to the women to moderate or like take control of all their, their home tasks and the childcare and like keeping the home in tip top shape. Because it comes from that like fallacy of like men are hunters and women are gatherers and nesters and therefore yeah yeah men will hunt and women can and that is just not based on any actual fact nope just vibes yeah and i came across this quote from steve pinker who's a cognitive psychologist who wrote Mm. in his book how the mind works even evolutionary explanations of the traditional division of labor by sex do not imply that it's unchangeable natural in the sense of good or something that should be forced on individual women or men that do not want it because there's the idea that like oh well she likes the way she does the dishes like if i do the pack the dishwasher i do it wrong so it's easier for her to just do it like Mm, yeah i don't do it right and she's always known how to do it and yet again i have to say women know how to do it because we are conditioned from a much younger age to take on those roles so we have more time to learn Whereas often men aren't socialized or aren't given the opportunity and aren't domesticated to be like helpful and to cater for other people's needs first before their own, you know, to be emotional support systems as well, which I think is really interesting in terms of this episode, because I think this is a role that Martha finds herself in throughout the season. Mm, Okay. And that she has to bear this kind of emotional burden and she's so competent, right? But it's sort of not recognize because I think the doctor and we can get into this when we talk about random observations but he's actually just a straight up arsehole to her a lot of the time yeah which you know I think a lot of men in heterosexual relationships are quite arseholes to their partners when they expect them to do literally everything around the house because 
I just don't know how to do it. Yeah, and I think that's interesting that you took, because I don't remember the rest of the shape of the season, but it's interesting you mentioned that, so we'll see how that goes. But, like, I do think, you know, he obviously wants Martha around, Mm. and he, you know, at the end is wants her with him, but, you know, she seems to be carrying, like you say, that emotional labour of making that friendship, of, like, forming that bond of he's happy to kind of go along with it and include her once he realises she's competent. Yeah. Because the Doctor has a big thing about competence. Like, he'll slag anyone off the instant he thinks that they're, like, incapable yeah. or... Shit at their job. Yeah, or like, anything. Yeah. yeah, or just, like, being panicky, having normal human emotions because of scary shit, and they'll mm. just and he just will drop them like a hot potato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she does show her competence at many times in this episode, right? Yeah. Like, she, yeah, yeah, she steps does. up, and even in the way that he... Like, her competence at dealing with unique circumstances, I think. You know, when they're on the balcony and they're going outside and he's like we might die and she goes we might not and he's like good like yeah. he's sort of testing her in a way and that is a, a competency in a different kind of behavior i think like yeah. behavioral competency yeah but, um and then he's just ruthless with anyone who he deems isn't competent to deal with it like at one point i'm pretty sure it's to another medical student he says um not her she'll hold us up mm. and like very immediately dismisses the idea that someone else could like come along with him and help because Oh, is she fucking terrified? Yeah, because they just zoomed to the moon. Yeah. Like, and that's, yeah, it's kind of interesting as well when you frame it as how the way that people deal with kind of weaponized incompetence, this idea that a normal human reaction is framed as the negative thing. So, yeah. like, the way that if you have a crack at a partner for not helping you, it's, it's classified as nagging. Because, like, he's just deferring to your competence, so why are you nagging him? He's actually just respecting you. But it's not recognising the need that actually... It's not nagging, you just need someone who you can actually trust and who you can lean on for support, and you can't do that when they are just like, but you're so much better at it, because the burden falls to you. Yeah, and, like, not choosing that as an opportunity to just have some self-reflection. Mm. Not that, like, like not the one partner is always going to be right, like, the more competent partner in that scenario is necessarily always going to be right. But, like, if somebody came to me and was like hey, this is a, way, a better way that I find of doing something. My reaction, I feel, I hope, would be like, okay, hey, like, why is that? Am I missing something? Am I missing some information? Like, can I do this better? Can I learn from your way and do it the better way? Rather than instantly taking that as an opportunity to be like, oh, I never do it right. Like, which is quite egocentric. Yeah. To then make that all about you and centre yourself as your own incompetence rather than just being like, this is an opportunity to learn. But I think with weaponized incompetence, it's not even an attempt to do it properly in the first place. Yeah, true. Okay, that is strategic. Like yeah, it's like, said, oh, I'm going to yeah. wash the dishes, but I'm actually going to do a bad job because then I won't be asked to do it again. Yeah. You know? So it's not actually about yeah. learning or being open to learning. It's just... I've know. seen kids do that sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah, deliberately like, do something they don't want to do in a bit of a shit way because then they know that, like, parent, typically mum, sometimes dad, but, you know, will come in and just be like, oh, I'll just do it for you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's how it works. And that's certainly how it works in the workplace as well. If you're mm-hmm. witnessing someone doing something, you're like, I'll just I'll just do it. And sometimes it's easier to do it yourself than trying to talk someone else through it because you're like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then if you're in a team, which often happens when you've got a decent-sized team, you're with somebody who is a bit of a lazy, weaponized incompetenter alongside someone who's got a bit of a savior complex mm. and it's just a match made in heaven and like that lazy person's never going to have to do any work because they know that the savior's going to loves coming in and being like I think you've it. just summed up the relationship that I had with my disaster twins because that's them mm. you have one who is yeah. allergic to work and one who is a control freak and wants all the work and yeah. therefore you never notice that the other one has been skating around oh yeah true and i actually did observe one of them say to the other one would you pick up this piece of work for me and 
he was like, oh, you know, like kind of a bit lukewarm on it. And then the incompetent one was like, oh, but I know you'll do it like better than me. You're so, so good at it. Yeah. Appealing to the ego, which and so is straight away, Yeah. The savior was like, oh no, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Parasitic. Parasitic. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I also thought, I remembered this viral blog that was in HuffPost in like 2016. So I went and looked it up. It was this guy called Matthew Frey who wrote a blog post titled She Divorced Me Because I Left Dishes by the Sink. Mm. And it had this great, like he was just reflecting on the destruction of his relationship because Mm -hmm. of his own unwillingness to do domestic tasks, right? And there was this great bit where he said, my wife didn't want to be my mother. She wanted to be my partner and she wanted me to apply all of my intelligence and learning capabilities to the logistics of managing our lives and household. She wanted me to figure out all the things that needed to be done and to devise my own method of task management. I wish I could remember what seemed so unreasonable to me about that at the time. Fuck. Oh my god. And I think so often that comes down to it, because I have conversations with my friends where it's like, I don't want to project manage someone. Yeah, 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 no. I've I've had this in past relationships. Yeah. 100% that, of like, oh no, you just have to tell me when something needs to be done and I'll do it. I'm like, no, but then I'm carrying all the mental labour of remembering the task list, planning the task list, delegating the tasks... Then it's easier just to do it myself. And they're like, but you never asked me to help. Why do I need to ask you to help? And it's like this article I was reading that was saying that actually we're never going to fix this problem until men don't view the actual tasks as unequal, until they don't take it for granted that women are going to look after the house, look after the children, until we stop saying to men that they need to help around the home or babysit their own children because it's also their home. It's also their children. They're not helping. They're not babysitting. They need to contribute equally. And until that happens... We're never going to solve this issue. And we need to, like, deconflict that as well and make it not an attack on people's masculinity because then we get this whole weaponized incompetence thing as well being so much more gendered because it's a girl's job, you know? Yeah, yeah. And also recognizing that it's not, like, there's nuance to this and that it's not necessarily always a case of moving one person's position all the way to somebody else's position. Mm, mm, like, mm. you need to compromise when you cohabit with people, when you're in a relationship yeah. with people, compromise exists. But the fact that it's not one person completely taking over and having to manage everything. Yeah. Yeah. Run the household. Like, it's Victorian England. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, I'd run a household if someone paid me to do it. Yeah. I'm not doing it for free. Housekeeper. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so that was... Uh... Interesting. Weaponized incompetence. So on that topic, do we want to talk about the episode? Random observations. So this episode is very interesting because I don't have heaps of notes. But when I was watching it, I didn't... Normally I don't have heaps of notes when I'm like, meh. I didn't feel meh about it. Mm. But also I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's quite... Oh, how's the word to describe it? Relatively neat and tidy. Like a thing's happening. Then this thing's happening. They've got a clear objective. The way I describe it is tightly plotted. Like, it's very tight, right? Like, everything sort of, it just all slots it together. And I think it's quite clever in a way, too, that Mm. you've got this, there's kind of multiple stakes in a way because you've got this plasma ball. Lol. (laughs) Plasma ball makes me crack up. (laughs) But also the Jadoon's threat. Like, what is their deal? It's competence, right? Like, they're just very competent at their jobs and they don't really care about, like, nuance or deviation from that. They're just going to execute their prime directive, which is don't get in their way. Yeah, and find the plasma ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I feel like it kind of had a polish of... Like, I know I said this at the beginning of the first episode of the second season as well. Like, it felt just like a tiny more polished than the season before mm. it. Like, a little bit more money. Yeah, so maybe this is kind of like just tech increasing, but also getting a bit more budget, getting a bit more 
no focus. Oh, one random observation. This episode started with total familial chaos yeah. on the part of Martha. And they get that, that tightly plotted pacing is really good. Like, it's really like, to the dad, to the... Yeah, cut, cut, cut the girlfriend, the yeah, brother, yeah, the sister, the, brother. the mother. The yeah. brother is Reggie Yates, who... Do you remember Reggie Yates? Yeah. Like, he was like this TV personality of like the mid-noughties <laughs> in England. And then he ended up going on to do like hard-hitting docos and stuff. But he was like, kids mm. TV on a Saturday morning would be presented by Reggie Yates. I think that was really good, clever as well, that type thing to sort of set up Martha's character as like a peacemaker. You know, she's mm. the middle child and it feels like the other two children have chosen sides in this messy divorce. Yeah. But she's in the middle. She's the glue that holds the family together, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think Martha's also interesting in terms of the other companions we've had, both Donna and Rose, who are very unhappy in their lives. Whereas Martha doesn't seem unhappy in her life. She's got a family. She's got friends, presumably. You know, she seems yeah. happy with her job. She loves her job. She's proud to be a, a doctor, you know, all these things. Almost, yeah. yeah. And so her choice to travel with the doctor is not because she's trying to escape her reality. Yeah. It's because she's like, well, it's such a great opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I think they made this really weird decision to make her have a crush on the doctor, which drives me absolutely up the wall. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I got strong. I can't remember how it pans out, but I get strong. I was like, oh, I didn't remember her, her being this romantic at him. Yeah. And then he kisses her and I was like, what? Yeah. And then I remembered, uh, then obviously it comes out that there was like some technical reason he needed to like impart his DNA or whatever. But but he didn't tell her that before he kissed her. So. No. So like really, yeah. Yeah, I really, really dislike it. I think people really loved Rose and, you know, we had this revival that sort of hinged on Rose. Like she was the out in as an audience into the first season with Christopher Eccleston. Then she was the one that carried David Tennant's introduction. You know, this is a generation of people who don't know Doctor Who, who aren't yeah. familiar with regenerations, who aren't familiar with rotating companions. And so there was a lot of controversy around how the show will continue without Rose. So Martha was always going to have a shit time as a companion. She was always going to come in as this, this beloved companion's replacement. It's a hard yeah. thing to win over the audience. To then also give her this unrequited love sort of element with the Doctor who is still semi-depressed about Rose and treats her like shit like he keeps saying you know she's not a rebound this is a temporary thing blah 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 like he is not good to her Mm -hmm. and she is still kind of like crushing on him and then he gives her just enough breadcrumbs that she sort of goes along with it I just think it really did a disservice to Martha's character and Martha is my favorite companion because she is so competent she is so smart Mm. I think she is just great and I think the season is just great but she was really hated and people didn't like her as a companion. And I think it's because mm. she came in off the back of Rose and people were like, well, of course the Doctor is still in love with Rose. She shouldn't be like in love with him. She shouldn't be pushing this, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, it just annoys me. It annoys me as a choice that the writers made to give her this unrequited crush. Yeah, that's really interesting. And like, I didn't realise that she was so disliked at the time because yeah. I like her too. I think she's doing a great job. And I think... Yeah, like, it's not a mistake they make again to, like, sort of play one companion off against another. Like, they don't use... The Doctor never derides his companion or says one's better than the other. Whereas I think there are moments in this where he does say that Rose is better than Martha. You know, like, when he's like, you're not a replacement. Mm. He just says a lot of mean things. And I get, like, his mental state is not great. He's not... Like, we know from The Runaway Bride that he is not in a good place. He is sad about Rose, which is fair enough. But I just... It doesn't give you an excuse to treat people badly. And I do think he treats Martha badly, which... Yeah. I will complain about it loads for the rest of the <laughs> Good, season. that is good. No, I completely agree. I think that it's, yeah, like, I don't know, easy, lazy writing to give her that. It's like, wow, why else would a woman be interested or want to go along with a man? Oh, she must be in love with him. It's just a bit shit. 
Not everything has to be romantic. Yeah, I know. For fuck's sake. I know, yeah. And I think, yeah, the fact that she she is such a, a cornerstone for her family and she is, like, you know, she's dependable at the hospital. Mm. Obviously, you get this idea that she's a really reliable person and she that she's often overlooked and taken for granted, which is something I think we'll see the doctor do as well. So, yeah. She's also not willing to take risks, right? She's not always going to follow the rules just because they're there. She's going to do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. Is it? I feel like it kind of skirts, and this may be me being a bit sensitive, but like it kind of skirts with the Doctor's relationships pretty close to exploitative. Yeah. When he's like, you know, there's a massive, we talked about this before, there's difference in power dynamic, the difference in experience, mm. like in being purely age, right? But also just literally understanding knowledge. And then you've got someone coming in who is clearly super smart, very curious, very interested, mm. but then also really into the doctor personally. And then him being like, okay, come along then. But you know, you're not as good as Rose, but like, whatever, you can join in. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Like, it's kind of gross. Yeah, it is kind of gross. It really is. And yeah, and like what you just said before, we've seen this time and time again, this this theme of the doctor just not being kind. And he can oscillate between like really jovial and upbeat and just like cold. Yeah. Um, Which I guess is yeah. just the fact of being alive for so long, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I think we also saw a little bit of his manipulative streak, as we've previously talked about him mm. being a little bit manipulative. Like, but even the fact that he kind of uses it to his advantage in this episode by pretending to be human, so the omnivore, omnivore, plasmivore, <laughs> will like yeah. attack him. And then Martha's medical knowledge, knowing that he has two hearts, and she didn't like yeah. freak out about that either. No, I love that. I love. What, I wrote that down. I like that time when she listens and she's just like. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then that became useful later on, right? Yeah. So she saves his life at the end there, brings him back. Chekhov's telescope. We yeah. That was gonna... <laughs> Chekhov's <in> telescope. <laughs> so, old lady in a straw. I bought my own straw. I like, I like that when you get um, older female characters mm. who are not nice old ladies. Yeah. Um, and if anything, she's leaning into that to be devious because yeah. people are like, oh, it's a nice old lady. Weaponized incompetence. Yeah, well, just weaponized dodgeriness. I think it's funny that both, like, she jo- she comes to this hospital because it's, like, a good source of food, basically. Yeah. And then the doctor is also like, mm, things are weird. There's weird energy particles around this hospital, whatever. So I'm just going to check myself in. Like, okay. Yeah, as Mr. Smith. Yeah, very weird. He likes the little shop, though. He does like the little shop. At one point, that asshole consultant doctor is looking out the window. He's got binoculars. Where did they come from? Looking at the earth. <laughs> yeah, where, with binoculars. Maybe he's like, we have binoculars at our old office, remember? Yeah, but that was for looking at distant other agencies. <laughs> I thought it was for looking for whales on the harbour side, but maybe not. Hilarious. Uh, well, maybe the um, consultant is like looking at other consultants. Yeah. Um, he's such a know-it-all. And he's such horrible. A horrible. I hate horrible him so much. Person. He's like this pastiche of horrible consultant and yet the martha's martha's quite like still compassionate towards him when he's dead right she takes a moment to like mourn him even though he is objectively a bad horrible guy well not bad just like not a nice person an asshole um i've written down this note in my random observations and i can't specifically remember the moment and i watched this episode recently so you know i've been (laughs) tired but i wrote doctor equals drained of blood equals hot vampire energy (laughs) so do with that what you will (laughs) Hot vampire energy. I find the idea of being x-rayed to death quite intriguing. 
I know, that fucking sonic screwdriver. Melted. He's just, I know. And then he just gets another one because he's probably got like a box, you know, like Byros. Yeah. He's got a box of a hundy back in the TARDIS. But um, <laughs> yeah, that he like, that was like intense. And also like, it is pretty terrifying x-rays. The Jaduna also intense, speaking of intense. Like them just being like, just as a swift, execute. Like, okay, yeah. your judge, jury and execution They're are all are. in one go. Yeah, and also like to mark yourself with a sharpie. Like, how hard is that? I just no, throw I know. it across on my hand and be like, "Look, I've already been marked. It's fine. I've been sorted." And those scanner things are like wonderfully. Just someone has like plastic molded a shell that's been spray painted and they've put around a marker pen. It's wonderful. Um, also, the idea of half the Earth being fried. You know, it's very uh, what's his name Thanos from Infinity yeah, it is. Fucking make a difference with traffic. It's been bad recently. Just snap. Half of the cars. Why does he carry Martha at the end? It seems like a waste of oxygen to carry her around. She would have been fine. Like, why? And also, why is he still awake when everyone else is she, like... Everyone so- seemed fine. I don't... Maybe because his, like, he processes oxygen in a different way. Like, you know, like, chalk it up to him not being anatomically the same. Which is but she's <laughs> fine until almost the end. And he's just carrying her. I'm like, you're wasting energy here carrying yeah. her around. Yeah, also, it right. just reminds me of the OC and that very dramatic point when... What's her name? Dies. Marie's... Marissa? Marissa? Marissa. Yeah. yeah, she dies and then Ryan carries her out of the burning yeah, wreck. Yeah. Like, anyway. That line where the, I think it's the plasma war says to the doctor, you're just laughing at purpose at the darkness. I'm like, oh, I've, that's my one of my standouts. Great. Laughing on purpose at the darkness. What else can you do? That's what I do yeah. every day of my life. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm so nihilistically humid. Yeah. Uh, I love when he's a bit sassy about her being like, it's bigger on the inside. Yeah. Is yeah. It? Haven't noticed. Um, yeah. <laughs> Another standout, we've just segued into standouts, I love it. Um, when he winks and raised eyebrows at Martha, it's yeah. kind of like a little like, cheeky aside, like he's already, like he's picked her out. Yeah, I love that he's done that. And I also just love that he has these silly moments. Like That's what I really love about Teen. Like he is really intense, kind of like really good at solving, problem solving in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. He can be very cold, as you said, but he's also just silly. Like there's a yeah. lot of like physical humor with him, like when he's shaking out the radiation out of his foot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but also things just like being like Jadoon platoon upon the moon. He gets yeah. such joy out of these ridiculous things. And I love that Martha, even in a state of like panic and this objectively terrifying thing has happened, they've gone to the moon, right? Yeah. She still takes a moment to be like, it's beautiful. How many people will get to see this? And I think that's really why Ten also wants her as a companion. Mm-hmm. Even though he feels like he's betraying Rose, I guess, by taking her. <sighs> that she can keep a cool head in a crisis, but she also recognises... The beauty in that darkness. Yeah. Mm. That's definitely my stand-up moment, I reckon. What was yours? Yeah, same. Same. Mm. Just really lovely. That kind of light-heartedness. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. That was an interesting topic, hey? I think that um, we'll see it come up again. I know we say this we say this a lot, but there's definitely there's like overarching themes that we kind of dip into. Yeah. And yeah. come up again. Yeah, it's good to keep track of. And I think especially... I think this is an interesting season in terms of psychologically what is happening with the Doctor because he is feeling this loss mm-hmm. perhaps more than he has felt other companions, which is annoying, but never mind. <laughs> and also just Martha because I think she is a very different companion to the others and that she is incredibly competent, incredibly sure of her own mind. Yeah. And not an easy pushover because I feel like... Rose, in a lot of ways, was shaped by the Doctor because she was so young. Whereas I think Martha has her own sense of identity and certainly with Donna as well. She has a very clear sense of who she is later too. Yeah, so it's interesting to keep keep track of it, I think. Yeah, I do too. And how the Doctor changes... 
I'm interested to see if he kind of goes on any level of healing journey yeah. with Martha alongside him. Mm. Um, but then again, you know, it's fucking like women aren't your therapy. Yeah, that's exactly it. Why should she carry the emotional burden? And why mm. are you putting her in this situation? Like, either you wanted to come to- along or you don't. Like, to say that you wanted to travel with you, then you need to treat her properly. You can't just be, like, really aggressively, you're not replacing her. Or, like, yeah. it's a temporary thing. Like, he is aggressive in those moments. You see that kind of switch yeah. in him. Yeah. Where he's, like, real standoffish. And she's like, you're the one that kissed me. I'm not remotely interested. But we know that she's yeah, yeah lying. She but, yeah, I just feel like... I think it does a disservice to Martha that he does it that way. And I resent that kind of... Because he's not... I don't know. There's just something weird about it. Like, either you want someone to be part of your life or you don't. Don't do this yeah. weird, like... Sometimes you're really hot and then sometimes you're really cold. Which yeah, he is with yeah. her. And I would agree with, like, fans saying that he was never in love with her or into her like that. Fine. But I would argue that he was never into Rose like that either, really. So... Ugh. Don't at me. I'm not interested. Yeah. No, it's interesting, right? Like, I think that... Yeah, I think that he is so kind of fucked up emotionally that he's really limited in his ability to, like... Communicate. Yeah, communicate, to, like, really be vulnerable and open enough to make a true, authentic bond mm. because he's he's guarded, he's in denial of his feelings, he's... Lost so much. Using humour as a coping mechanism and has been for... Millennia. Yeah, right? Like, he's an angry guy, and that's not great no like, it just feels yeah. like a, the start of a very there's a lot of stuff here that feels dysfunctional that feels toxic yeah I think we all have had a friend or know someone who's been like really into a guy who's just not that into her and that's just really horrible to watch and yeah. that's that's the setup here so yeah, yeah. which I think is horrible and I think it's unnecessary and the, I don't think the show benefits from it at all or would have been hurt by it not being there no and it's but, interesting and I don't I'd hope that now that kind of like this kind of unrequited love trope mm. of like, oh, you know, but keep a mean to keep them keen kind of, whether that's conscious or subconscious, like, are we past that? Like, fucking hope so. Yeah, totally agree. Don't tell your kids that he's pulling your daughter's pigtails because he likes her. We're not into that anymore. Don't do it. Oh my God, that reminded me. Do you remember when John Key pulled the ponytail? Yes. A former prime minister. <laughs> when prime minister? Yeah, it was pulled a yeah. The, uh, ponytail of a waitress in a cafe. Very weird. <laughs> Pretty sure that was like 2015 or 2016, yeah. isn't it? Like not even that long ago. <laughs> He's the same man that brought you this the three-way politician handshake. <laughs> the awkward handshake. Please somebody just like YouTube John Key three-way handshake. <laughs> and enjoy. <laughs> That's from 2011. <laughs> just constant embarrassment. Time after time after time. That's what we used to have to put up with in this country. Oh. Which remember that when it comes to election time this yes. year. Anywho, politics aside, um, cool. Did you anything else? Or? No, I'm no. good, mate. That is that is my notes. Sweet. It was a pretty tight episode, so we've kept it pretty tight. And um, yeah, excited to see where the rest of the season takes us. So next time we'll be watching episode two of season three, The Shakespeare Code, which is great because we love a bit of Shakespeare, the two of us. Also, can I just say, the classic um, lower budget set modern day, <laughs> but with a bit of CGI. And then the next one is obviously period set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just go to the globe. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's already there. Problem solved. Don't need to do a set. Great. Um, okay. Well, let us know your thoughts by emailing own at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the show notes for links, which is mostly just blogs <laughs> and uh, for all the references discussed in this episode. So yeah. Great. Love it. Um, one random thing to end on. Yeah. I went back into Podbean and I had a look at the listens of 
old apps. Like, mm. app ones had like 50. Ooh. And then it really drops off from there. So if you just listened to the first episode and then were like, nah, let us know why. Be intrigued. <laughs> yeah, really intrigued. Honestly, there's like 50 something listens on app one and then immediately drops to like 20 something from episode mm. two and then from there kind of plateaus and then recent ones is only like a few because people they build, get to it they build. Yeah. yeah 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 but I'm like oh interesting did it what put you off is it us if you're American is it because we swear <laughs> or is it just because we're problematic yeah. it's fine or we have a sense of humour that we each find hilarious but no <laughs> so one else doesn't does. have wider appeal <laughs> and that's okay <laughs> are we the problem <laughs> anyway let us know yeah, delightful yeah, cool. love that All right. um, see you soon Cool. See ya. Bye. Bye.